Hello, everyone. This is Van Hargis of Ride Every Stride. First of all, I want to say thank you to everyone that's listening to Ride Every Stride. And for those of you who happen to be following my Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page, you may have read on there that we've had a little accident. Well, uh, a little accident sometimes can lead to some pretty severe injuries. And this happened to be one of those situations. Recently, I was riding a really young filly, a nice young filly. I think she's only just a two-year-old. And she's kind of at the end of this first session of her training. And I just asked her to stop really big the other day, and she gave me just one of those drop-dead gorgeous stops. It was really kind of well beyond her training, but she just gave me the best stop I could possibly ask for. But the bad thing is she got her back feet up underneath her just a little bit too far. And even though I kind of waited for her to regroup, she kind of got tangled up for a moment, didn't really know what to do. (laughs) So she just did the only thing she knew to do, which was sit down, literally. I mean, she just kind of sat down on a rump. But sadly, because she's so small, she might have been 1,000 pounds. And um, with me and my saddle, together, we're probably over one-fifth of her body weight. That just happened to be just enough weight and momentum to pull her off balance. So, unfortunately, for her and for me, she came over backwards. And when she did, she landed right on top of me. As a result of that, it kind of crushed my, well, not kind of, by golly, it did. It crushed my pelvis, resulting in three different breaks on my pelvis and a break of my tailbone, which is a sacrum bone. And then two of the lower vertebrae broke off those little wing things that are on the side. So um, not a whole lot we can do about it. Uh, We did go and have surgery at the San Antonio uh, Military Medical Center, and by golly, they did a phenomenal job. Just a great staff of people, very good doctors, the nurses, and everyone all stayed cheery, and uh, I felt like we were all on a first-name basis by the time we left there the other day, and just a great group of people. But anyway, they kind of literally screwed me back together. We did one day of therapy and another day of kind of making sure I knew how to uh, go up and down stairs on a walker, kind of surviving the pain. And uh, once that was done, they discharged me. So I've been home now for a couple of days, and uh, everything's going well. We just have to learn to kind of manage the pain, and hopefully, if all goes well, we're back in the saddle in about three months or so. But until then, we're going to keep our recording going with Ride Every Stride, and we encourage you guys to not just to listen, but we also encourage you to send me uh, some messages there on Facebook at Van Hargis Horsemanship, and uh, if you have any questions or concerns, either about the accident or training questions or things that you'd like to suggest that we record on Ride Every Stride, please feel free to send those to us, and I certainly welcome you. For those who have sent me messages already, I can't begin to tell you how much I appreciate it. You know, at this point in time, I'm not really allowed to do much other than just kind of sit here and read Facebook, and I'm trying to work on a book that I've been writing on for quite some time. My goal is to try to get it finished before I get back in the saddle again. So those messages that you guys have sent have just been phenomenal. I really appreciate it. Very encouraging, very inspiring, and, uh, and of course, very welcome. So my heart goes out to you guys for sending those to me. Thank you so much. And for now, we're going to return back to Ride Over Stride, Episode 16. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here today with Master Horseman Van Hargis. And how you doing, Van? I'm good, Miss Lauren. How are you? 
I'm doing all right. You know, enjoying the the fact that summer has arrived in North Texas. (laughs) And so it's a good day to be inside and recording in air conditioned studio. You mentioned that you had a question recently from a participant at a clinic that you did where they were asking you what leg cues to use to get the horse to turn left or something like that. And that has raised some issues that you, you mentioned you wanted to talk about. Yeah, actually, Laura, that question comes up a lot. You know, people want absolute answers, and we we say this all the time. It seems like it pops its way into almost every episode that we do, that the only absolute, especially the only absolute in horses, is that there are no absolutes. Um, And I I wish there was. Goodness, it would sure make understanding the situation a lot easier. But we we do get that question a lot. You know, Mr. Van, which leg do I use if I'm going to ask my horse to turn left? Or which leg do I use if I ask my horse to turn right? And, and, you know, Laura, it's... um, I, like I said, I wished I could give them a pat answer, but unfortunately we can't because it, so many of it depends on, number one, the type of turn that you want to make, and, and it also depends on um, you know, what the horse is doing and how he's responding. For example, if I'm going to do a nice circle to the left, um, I may use my outside leg. In other words, if I'm doing a circle to the left, I might use my right leg to kind of push the horse in that direction. Or on the other end of the scale, if the horse is kind of leaning into the circle as I'm trying to turning him into the left, I may use my inside leg to kind of keep the horse from cutting the circle off. In other words, kind of cutting into the circle instead of doing a nice rounded circle. So I wish I could give him a pat answer as to which leg I would use, but I just can't do it because of the fact that it depends literally on what the horse is doing and how it's responding. And you know what? I throw at them a lot when I do get that question. I say, you know, do you listen to the podcasts? And, and if they say yes, I say, what's the name of it? And they say, ride every stride. And there's my answer. Because you see, with every stride that the horse takes, I want to be prepared to cue with the outside leg or maybe to cue with the inside leg. Again, determining on every stride that the horse takes, what do I need to do to better communicate with the horse to get the type of turn and the maneuvers from the horse that I want, that I want to achieve. So there's not just a formula. If you, if you want to turn left, you... I don't know, lean on them with your right leg or, or vice versa. It really is one step at a time, every step the horse takes. Absolutely. Wouldn't it be easy, though, if there were just this <laughs> if-then thing? Like, if you want this, then you do that. You know, that would be so easy. But unfortunately, with horses, it's just not quite that simple. Oftentimes, we have to think in terms, too, of, again, what body part are we wanting to maneuver? You know, I I talk, and I hopefully cover this in more detail in a, in a future episode, but I try to tell people that I want to kind of almost dissect my horse. And I don't mean literally going to cut him up into little bitty pieces, but I want to divide the horse into more easier managed parts. For example, I, I tell folks that from about his withers forward, I control with my hands. From his withers back, I control with my feet. And if I combine those two, I can be able to move the horse around from wherever I want to go. And there's also a divided the horse of the left side as well as the right side. So if I just know very specifically of which direction I want to go and how I want to get there, those things determine how I use my hands and feet to accomplish the type of turn or the type of maneuver that I'm trying to achieve. And, and again, I wish I could just say, well, if you want to turn right, just put your left leg on. Or if you want to turn left, put your right leg on. But sadly, it's just not quite that simple. Uh, So we do have to stop and think more specifically what type of turn we want to make. And with that determination, we can decide at that point which leg we want to best communicate with our horse. Again, combined with 
how we're using our hands and our reins as well. It occurred to me as you were saying that, that this echoes some things we talked about a few episodes ago with the first answer to the question is a question of your question, you know, your four (laughs) questions, which is, well, what do you want? Right. And it's not enough to say, well, I want to go left. There's more to it than that. Yes. And, And both what you want specifically, what kind of turn and all those sorts of things, but also how's the horse responding to you and... Right. Well, let's just take it really simple. Let's do a really simple a turn to the left. And when I say a turn to the left, I mean like we're already moving and we're going to do a circle. Okay. So we're going to do a nice, easy circle to the left. Some would argue that if I want to go to the left, first thing I need to do is direct my horse's nose in that direction. Okay, so immediately I'm going to say, well, how are you going to do that? In other words, how are you going to communicate that to the horse? Do you pull on the left rein or do you push him over with the right rein? You know, how are you going to adjust that? So we're going to make those adjustments with our hands. And again, that's going to control the horse from the withers forward. But then what leg do we use? Well, again, what does my horse need as we're trying to make that nice turn, that last nice radius turn to the left? What do we need to do? So if the rib cage of the horse is a little bit too far to the inside, meaning that we're not really doing a true round circle, but we're kind of making this thing off in little bitty straight lines, then immediately I'm going to tell the people I would use my left leg at that point to get the rib cage out of my circle. I want the horse to, if you will, follow a dotted line that I've kind of painted ahead of me that we're going to be traveling. So if you could just imagine as you're doing a circle, in my mind, I'm always painting a little dotted line and all the horse's job is to do is follow that dotted line. My job is to guide the horse on that dotted line. One step to the right means I've got to correct him back to the left. One step to the left means I've got to correct him back to the right. In other words, he's got to stay on that dotted line. What I do with my hands and my feet are always making these adjustments, no matter how fine or subtle those adjustments may be, but they're making those those subtle adjustments on every stride. And isn't it funny, Laura, if you'll remember, I, I think I was actually riding a horse, and I had you on my earphones, and the phone, I think, was in my pocket, And we were talking about what we were going to name the podcast. Mm. And I think actually I was training on a horse at the time to the point where I was probably working on circles. And in my mind, I was thinking, you know, right, I'm making adjustments on every stride. It looks like to people that I'm doing nothing. Mm -hmm. But the reality is my hands are constantly massaging to get the, the head position and the shoulder position where I want it. And my legs are constantly massaging the rib cage to get the angle of the rib cage that I want. In other words, to keep the horse at the angle and or the radius that I want to achieve. And I, I out of the, all of a sudden, I just said, "Ride every stride." The same of the podcast, "Ride every stride." I, I hope you remember that because yeah. to me, it was a, it was a, it was just a, an epiphany moment. It was one of those moments that think, you know, that's it. That's well. And when as soon as you said it, I said, "That's it. Yeah. That's the name. That's yeah. right." That's because exactly I, I right. think that's and that's I preach that every time we do a clinic and every time we're asking a student to to perform some sort of task for me, I'll always tell them, ride every stride. So again, I, I wish I could give a pat answer to which leg do we use, but the reality is we're constantly making those adjustments based on the maneuver that we're wanting to make. Now, let's say, for example, we talked there about doing a circle to the left and how I might be making those constant adjustments with both my hands as well as my legs. But what if we're making a different type of turn? What if we've got the horse stationary? And again, I'm going to ask, which body part do I want to move in order to achieve the type of turn that I want? For example, if I want to turn on the forehand and I'm going to keep the horse's, say, left front foot 
on the ground, and I'm going to move his hips to the right. In other words, to turn a complete 180, and we're going to go the opposite direction. But I want to do so off the forehand. Then I'm going to use my inside leg. In other words, I'm going to use my left leg to make his hips move to the right. Where am I going to put my left leg? A little bit more toward where the rear cinch would be if I was riding in a western saddle, or a little bit more toward the flank area or the, or the back part of the horse's barrel if I was riding in an English saddle or a western saddle without a back cinch. So I put my left leg back a little bit, and at the same time I'm going to use my hands to both cue to the horse which direction I want him to turn, but also to stabilize his front end while I send his hind end away from that leg cue. Which brings up another point. We always have to think in terms of we want to train our horses to always move away from pressure. And if anybody's ever seen me do a cult starting thing, Laura, that's the first thing I emphasize to folks. I'm not worried about getting the horse gentle in the beginning. I'm not worried about, you know, getting the horse to go left or right, unless, of course, I'm teaching the horse to move away from pressure. Once I teach the horse to move away from pressure, that is the absolute basic foundation to everything that the horse is going to learn from that moment forward. He needs to learn that if he feels pressure of some sort, the answer is to move away from that pressure. Over time, we can refine it to the point where we're speaking specifically to very certain body parts, such as his hips or his shoulders or his nose or whatever the case may be. His, his job is to always think that the answer to the question in which I'm proposing to him to get him to perform the task that I want is to simply move away from pressure. My job at that time is to know which body part I want to move and in which direction. And if I know which body part I want and I know which direction I want that body part to move or I want that body part to move away from, that's when I use the combination of the hand aids as well as the leg aids to achieve that. So again, which leg do I use? I don't know. It depends. <laughs> well, and and so... One of the things that I know you've talked about in the past is that it's not before you move a horse, you have to give them somewhere to go if, you, if you're moving them away. I mean, what, explain that a little bit, because I know that's part of this process of deciding which leg to move when or which leg to use in what way to turn a horse or to direct the horse. I want to use a couple of different analogies here, Laura, maybe three, one of which is if I... For, for those cowboy types out there and the listening that, that have done some ranch work and especially done some cattle work, if you could imagine that if I was taking a cow down an alleyway and I've got gates on the left side and I've got gates on the right side, and I wanted a, a cow to go through, say, one of the gates that's on the right side of the alleyway, it would make sense, wouldn't it, that if I wanted to go through that gate into maybe a holding pen, I would probably need to open a gate to allow him to go in there. Right. Otherwise, I'm just going to be pushing him back and forth up and down the alleyway and not achieving what I really want to achieve. Now, sometimes I could have the gate open and pushing the cow down the alleyway. Maybe he'll find his way into that gate. The other thing I could do is actually add pressure in all places other than through the open gate to get the cow to seek out that open gate. So in other words, in order for that cow under pressure to find the open gate, there has to be a gate open. Otherwise, I'm, again, I'm just sending the cow up and down the alleyway. Whenever I'm riding a horse, I think of it the exact same way. I'm thinking that the energy of this horse is going forward, in other words, down the alleyway, 
My job is to drive that energy down that alleyway. But if I want him to go through a particular gate, let's say I want the horse to go to the right, then perhaps the first thing I need to do is take my right leg off the horse. In other words, open up that side so that the horse knows that there's a, a place for him to flow to, if you will. And if he responds there, great. But if he doesn't, then perhaps I can add pressure with the left leg in order for him to find that open gate that's on the right. You know, I was told a long time ago, again, I've mentioned this guy's name a lot, but he, he was a big influence on me. Tom Dortz asked me a question one time. He said, Van, if we can get a horse to move away from pressure, then why can't we get a horse to simply move to where there is no pressure? And that's exactly what he was talking about. He was talking about if I wanted the horse to move to the right, then perhaps I could get that accomplished by simply taking pressure away from the right side. Just in other words, opening up that direction. And we can get real detailed with this by saying that if I take my right leg off and put my weight on my left hip, already I've applied more pressure on the left side of the horse's body than what is on the right side of the horse's body. So if we've really done a good job of teaching the horse to always move away from pressure or to take the path of least resistance, then there's less resistance to the right than there is to the left. So the horse will, over time, learn to flow that direction. Another analogy I like to give, and speaking of the terms flow, is I try to think of my horse as like a river. And the source of the river is behind me, and that's that big old giant motor back there that we call a hindquarter. Everything that we do with our horse starts and stops with that hindquarter. That hindquarter is the source of the energy. And that energy flows between my legs, resting on either side of the horse's rib cage, and then funnels its way, if you will, into my bridle reins, into the mouth, and then that, that affords me an opportunity to guide that horse in whichever direction I want to guide him to. So it makes sense then that if I use my legs as if this horse is a big giant river, if I use my legs as if they're boulders in the river, one on the left side, one on the right side, and this energy of this horse and this flow is simply flowing between those two boulders and headed to its destination, which, of course, in this case is the bit. And if I wanted my horse to flow to the right, rather than making the boulder bigger on the left, what if I simply reduced the size or totally removed the boulder on the right? And as a result, it creates an opportunity for the horse to flow in that direction. Once the flow has started, then I can begin to adjust that right leg or adjust that boulder to whatever pressure that I need to get it to flow exactly the way that I want it to flow. Ever how far or how fast that I want it to flow can be adjusted with the leg pressure on that side. But in the beginning, I just want to simplify it by saying the flow is coming between those two boulders and toward its destination. And if I can get the horse to move away from pressure, why can't I get the horse to move to where there is no pressure? So I just simply remove that boulder or just reduce that boulder, allowing that horse an opportunity to flow that direction. Once the direction is achieved, in other words, once the turn or the maneuver is achieved to the point that I'm satisfied, then I can put the boulder back in the river and then have the flow go straight back into the bit again. So I, I just try to think in terms of something very simple for me to understand at the same time, something very easy for me to communicate. Therefore the horse increases his opportunity to receive that communication and understand what it is that I'm asking him to do. Well, 
I'm picturing that in my head, what you've just described. And so with this idea of the energy of the horse from the hindquarters being funneled forward between your legs, what's the consequence if you don't do what you've described, but say you're wanting to turn, uh, you keep the inside leg on while you're adding pressure on the outside? I mean, is that as effective, less effective, you're not doing the thing you've just described. You're not giving them anywhere to go. You're pushing them in a direction where there's resistance. What's that going to do? Well, the horse will eventually move to where there's, uh, they'll move away from the greater resistance and move toward the least resistance. And the best way I can think about that, if we watch, when we watch our riders push a horse into the bridle, for example, oftentimes we'll create some resistance with the bridle, and yet our legs are squeezing him further forward into the bridle, and yet something's got to give. And, and in fact, a lot of times when I'm teaching people how to, to stop their horses, uh, I will actually make the horse go. In other words, I'll create that bit, if you will, in the front of him to the point where he feels the bit in his mouth, and yet I'm pushing him into the bit. When I get ready to ask the horse to stop, I don't pull back on the horse any, anymore. There's already resistance there. Therefore, when I quit making him go, because the resistance is already there, he'll stop almost the very next stride. The best way I try to, uh, again, to describe that, I love using analogies, but the best way I can describe that is that if, if you've got your car going down the road, for example, and you're, you're, you want to go 20 miles an hour, and, then, and now I ask you to apply the brake, if you apply the brake, then usually you're going to slow down to less than 20 miles an hour. But if I had you keep your foot on the gas, and apply the gas as you're applying the brake, you can maintain that with a, with a proper balance, you can maintain that 20 mile an hour speed. But now, once you realize that you're having to add more gas to keep the car traveling at that 20 miles an hour, now if you suddenly take your foot off the brake, what happens? Your car speeds up. But at the same time, if you do the opposite, if you've got your foot on the brake, and you're pressing on the gas to maintain that 20 miles an hour, and you suddenly take your foot off the accelerator, the car will come to a stop. So that's what I'm referring to oftentimes when I'm talking about the leg pressure as well as the the leg aids into the bridle. The horse will still move, but he's going to simply move to where there's the least amount of resistance. And, and it's just like I, I say all the time, we should train our horses like water and electricity to take the path of less resistance, not always where there is absolutely no resistance, but to where there's less resistance. And as a result of that, we can better guide our horses. But I still love what Tom Dortz said. If we can teach our horses to move away from pressure, then why can't we simply get them to move to where there is no pressure? Yeah, that I mean, that certainly makes sense that, as you said, if you don't remove the, the pressure on the inside leg, they will, but you increase it on the outside, they will go but it certainly seems like it's going to be easier to remove that resistance first and then put the outside resistance to get them to turn. It, it seems like a clearer signal to the horse of what you want. Yes, I think so too. And, and the results I've had over the years, once I started learning that, once I began to start applying that, I, I'm amazed by the horse's response. They, they, it's almost like they just appreciate it. They, they, they begin to understand the fact that the communication is so clear 
it's easy for them to discern what it is that I want the, want them to do. And again, isn't that our job as horsemen is to try to make the communication to the horse as simple for them to understand as possible? And of course, with that simplicity, we also want the consistency. So if we do the same things the same way every time, of course, with some minor adjustments here and there, but if we do the same thing the same way every time, then the language to the horse seems to get much more clearly understood. And as a result, we end up getting better results. And that's what we're shooting for always with our horses, better communication and better results. Uh, yeah. And it sort of goes to something else I've heard you say before and, and heard other people say about, you know, making the right thing easy. Right. You know, makes perfect sense to me. Now I'll also talk about this too, is that no matter, sometimes no matter what we think we're doing in the saddle, we still end up with horses doing different things than what we think we want and vice versa. And for example, let's go back to that very first circle that we were talking about before. If I was going to do it a nice little circle to the left, the question would be, is that how and when would I make those adjustments? Well, there's certain things that we call uh, when a horse is uh, kind of drifting toward the inside of the circle. We call that sometimes dropping in or moving into the circle. Uh, and then when horses tend to make the circle bigger than what we want, then we tend to call that drifting. In other words, he's kind of making that circle bigger. And it's that point that if I have, again, that dotted line in my mind's eye and I feel that horse drifting, in other words, making my circle bigger or making that circle more egg-shaped, that's when I want to apply that outside leg pressure to bring him back onto that imaginary dotted line I've painted in front of me. At the same time, if that horse is falling in or dropping a shoulder to the inside of the circle, then what I want to do is I still want to maintain that control of that dotted line in front of me with my hands and and uh, my well my hands and, and reins, but I also want to use that inside leg to kind of get that horse to get back out of that circle. So again, those those steps are constantly being maneuvered and those constantly being adjusted to keep that horse on stride and to keep him on that imaginary dotted line I painted in front of me. Seems like a lot of work. You know, it is, isn't it? Because it is. It's constantly, you know, you have to when, be thinking. when you're riding every stride, you are, you're constantly thinking. And, you know, and it's because of that, that I tell people, you've got to be making adjustments and you've got to be willing to make adjustments with every stride that the horse takes. Because at what point is the horse off course? Do you realize that he's off course? Yeah. Is it the 10th stride and you think, oh my goodness, now the sudden in the middle of the arena and I didn't mean to be, or even worse man, I was riding my horse out through the pasture and all of a sudden he ran into the tree and scraped me off underneath the tree. And I just look at people very unsympathetically and think, how'd he get to the tree? Yeah. You know, at what point did you realize you're heading in a direction that you didn't want him to head? So you need to make those adjustments with your hands. You need to make those adjustments with your legs long before he ever gets to the tree. And in doing so, in other words, in riding every stride, we can avoid those what be could be catastrophic situations. And not to get too philosophical with only a few minutes left, but boy, that's sure true life in general, isn't it? <laughs> you know, uh, paying attention when things start to go, to go a little off course. Well, even before that, going back to your four questions of what do you want, having that picture, you, you can ride that circle you talk about because you've imagined it in your mind. You talked about painting that dotted line and you're just guiding the horse to that line that you've already imagined in your head. And whether it's horseback riding or life in general, it starts with knowing what you want 
and then paying attention when things start to go off the rails before you've had a complete, you know, end up in a completely, I don't know, a different job than you actually intended to have or, or a different relationship or whatever else. It's paying attention, being aware of what you want and how close you are or far away you are from that thing that you want. Right. You know, there's a, there's a book. I wish I could remember the author's name. I, I love this series, but it was a book that he wrote at one point called um, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Mm. And yet I, I totally agree with that. And I, if, for those of you who have not read the book, I, I really recommend it. It's a really cool booklet. But at the same time, when we're riding our horses, it's almost the opposite of that. It's yeah. if you take care of the little bitty things and you don't run into the big problems later down the road. Yeah. You know, we, we're not going to run into the trees of the world and we're not going to run into the ditches of the world. If we were just guiding that horse on every stride, then as a result, we'll get to our destination and we'll get to our destination on target with less, um, with less worry and with less mishap simply by just, and again, I know it sounds like we're kind of over promoting our program, but Simply by riding every stride, yeah. it's amazing how by those little attention to details, in other words, in this case, sweating the small stuff, yeah. it surely eliminates some of the bigger issues that could come up ahead of us. Wow. All right. Well, sounds like something that's going to take a lot of practice and a lot of intentional thought, not so much just get on the horse and go. Exactly. You know, and that's okay too. You know, sometimes yeah. I tell people if you're on a really good, quiet horse, just, and if you find yourself stressing, you find yourself, uh, thinking too hard, just let go and ride, have yeah. fun yeah. as long as it's safe, of course. Yeah. But when we do start talking about things and riding a little bit more precise and being a little bit more careful where the horse is going, it sure helps us when we're very keenly aware of what our body's doing and how it affects the horse and over time, it's like anything else. Over time, the things that we do and the things that we adjust, whether, whether it be with our feet or with our hands, almost become second nature. And, and again, to use one more analogy, for those of you who are driving, imagine when you very first started. And when we very first started riding or driving a car, I remember when I very first started driving, I was very young, but when I first started driving, I literally had to think about everything. Yeah. You know, I, I learned to drive in an older pickup, so... I had to think, okay, this is what the clutch does. And when I want to change gears, I've got to push on that thing. And then I've got to reach up there and, and adjust the, the gear shift and whatever gear that I'm wanting. And I've got to be able to press the gas at a certain time. Oops, I've got to put my blinker on. I've got to turn the steering wheel. In other words, all these things I'm having to, to think about. And then now I think it doesn't matter if I'm in an automatic or a standard. I just do it without giving much thought to it. It's almost like I'm driving now in the subconscious. And in some cases, I've even, even seen women drive to where they can drive and put on their eye makeup at the same time and turn the, stere turn the stereo on and yell at the kids. I mean, you name it. There's, not that we're recommending. Not that, that you're you're not. <laughs> but I'm, I'm amazed at how it's almost as if they've become so used to driving that they're multitasking all these other things that are going on. And it's because they've gotten so comfortable with the driving. Yeah. And I, I tell people, that's my goal when I get people to learn to ride horses. I want you to not be worried about you know, which leg to use and how to adjust your hands. I want you to spend enough time in the saddle to where you feel very comfortable with those things and it's almost to the point to where you're making those adjustments in the subconscious. And then 
you can truly enjoy your horse because yeah. you've got that confidence of knowing that you know what to do and you're doing it without giving it much thought. Therefore, when you really need it, it's almost second nature to yeah. you. And you can get yourself out of a bind or you can go perform at a, you know, just a phenomenal level. It just takes time. As if you said, we just had to spend time yeah. on horses and spend time around them, learn how they operate and work mechanically and learn how we best communicate with them. And after, as a result, we'll get to the point where we're riding in the subconscious and then the fun starts. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking that it's like anything that you want to do and do well there, there is, you got to do the work to get yeah. to the fun part. You got to yeah. do the practice to get to the, the play. And, you know, the things that I think you were talking about today and working on these circles or whatever else is anybody who wants to work with their horse sets aside times where they're focusing on those things and practicing those things until they become second nature, until it becomes almost muscle memory to be making these little stride by stride adjustments, then you get to the point where you can have a do what you do, what I've seen you do, which is be riding along, working a horse, doing these little uh, stride by stride adjustments, and having a conversation with somebody else or or whatever else that that you don't have to think about it every second, but you put the practice in to get to that point, exactly to where you can have fun and be safe and be working with your horse and not fighting against yeah. it. So. And not be frustrated. You yeah. Know? That's the thing that bothers me sometimes. I watch people try so hard and they get frustrated. And I'm thinking, you know, just at, at that point, let's go off and do some mindless riding and let's yeah. just have fun. Yeah. Because we do. That's that's our goal, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've said this before, but there's only roughly about 3% of people who own horses that are professionals. So my question is, what about the other 97%? You're into yeah. it for the fun of it. Yeah. And if that's the case, let's have fun. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, that's great. Another great episode of Things to Think About. Uh, As always, we want to remind listeners that if you've got questions about this topic or any other, or if you've got suggestions, something that's bugging you about the way you work with your horse, something you'd like to see Van talk about on future episodes, we want to hear those things. So you can get them to us in a number of ways. You can certainly email us at info at vanhargis.com. He sees every one of those emails, and we will, he will respond either by email or in another episode upcoming to, if it's something worth sharing with the rest of the listeners. You can also contact us on Facebook. Look for Van Hargis Horsemanship on Facebook and like the page and, and leave a comment there or post something there. And always you can find information and, and reach out to us via the website at vanhargis.com. That's a great resource. Everything new that's going on with Van Hargis Horsemanship shows up on the website. The uh, events that Van's going to be appearing at, the places he's going to be, the the new products that are coming out, just uh, all sorts of things. So check back at the website from time to time. Uh, We do want to hear from you. I know Van really values the feedback and, and the interaction with listeners and people throughout the audience. So... Other than that, man, any last words? Well, Laura, I, I just want to encourage folks to, to have fun. You know, strive to be your best for both your sake as well as your horse. And until next time, remember, it's your trail, your journey, your life. So ride every stride. Ride every stride.